The Bridge on FM 96.9 The Game, powered by Advent Health. That is correct. Advent Health, they are the proud partners of the Orlando Magic, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. For more information, go to adventhealth.com. Musical theme. Top songs from 77. Mm. I know the song. Bail him out, Daniels. He's blind. Oh, Stevie Wonder. That's what we're doing, Daniels? That's, that's... What else do you want me to do? <laughs> I could have said Ray Charles. But you didn't. Stevie Wonder's some people... tribute to the great Duke Ellington is what this song is about. My old co-host, Doc, uh, was one of those who thought Stevie Wonder's not really blind. Okay. <laughs> there, there, there are those conspiracy theorists out there, Daniel. I understand that. You don't want to talk about it? Well, Neil Armstrong put a flag in a pile of cheese. <laughs> I have a high school friend, Larry, who still believes we didn't land on the moon. Daniels, and Interlocking he's, High School. And he's still your friend. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right, okay. Daniels here. Hey, 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 it's okay. I have a neighbor. Remember the story? I had a neighbor years ago that wanted to know how he can vote in the Iowa caucus. That's funny. Uh, all right, uh, Daniels, I need you to get on your high horse this morning. Me and my high Here's horse? I, <laughs> yes. Here's what I want from you this morning, all right? Uh, yeah. I want you to get on your high horse and I want you to um, give a verbal tongue lashing what? to to what America has become. That the Victor Wimbanyama Britney Spears story is all anybody wants to talk about this morning. I, I, go, I do a daily sports report with Pat Lynch and Taco Bob on our sister station. WJRR. We recorded early in the morning, and Pat Lynch sort of is the moderator of it, and he'll bring me on, and you know he'll he'll talk about whatever he wants to talk about. And the first thing Pat Lynch wanted to talk about is, is Britney Spears, Victor Wimbanyama, Daniels. What does this say about our society? Well, a couple things. One. At the moment, Wembayam is soft if he can't take a hit. And I don't know how this guy plans on driving the lane if he can't. <laughs> I mean, that's a red flag. He can't for even me. box out. He can't even box out Brittany. This guy can't box out. And then, okay, this contact from behind, you got to finish the shot to try to get an end one. So I'm concerned about this guy's ability of doing anything inside the paint. I mean, uh, I, that, l- l- no. The second biggest story, well, whatever, I'll get to that later. Um, 
Don't forget, there'll be a legal update on the uh, Britney Spears Victor Wembayama case on uh, the Beat of Sports at about ten seventeen today. Mm. Break that down. Hey. Mike, there's a reason why sites like TMZ and businesses like TMZ, they got a TV show, are so successful because the attention span of the average person is so short that mm-hmm. we live in a world of quick headlines and 30-second videos on TikTok that there's a larger generation, not just of young people, that acquire their news and to some degree their opinions based on brief headlines and stuff like that. So it's more interesting to those people about what happened with Britney Spears and this new basketball guy that they're supposed to care about than trying to figure out why a good jobs report led to a drop in the market yesterday. Or why this morning... <laughs> right. yeah, it, 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 I mean, people should be like, wait, wait a minute, we added hundreds of thousands of jobs and the market tanked? But that's complicated for people to understand. So we become a less informed, less educated society that just would rather scroll 30-second TikTok videos and figure out, you know, who's right or wrong in Britney Spears versus Victor Wembayama. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing, though. It's amazing to me. I, it's, it, 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 it is amazing because of, and I truly mean this, it, 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 it's amazing because of the industry you grew up in. It's like you talked earlier today when I think somebody had texted you about, um, you know, the the, uh, the Sentinels newsroom view of uh, soccer and women's sports years ago and things like that with an older guard. And I'm not saying that they did it right back then, but I'm just talking about the basic foundation of journalism and providing information to people has changed in such a way that the public has told you, listen, I don't care about what's happening to the economy or in politics unless I'm told to be angry. And if one of the addicted channels tells me that I should be angry about something, I'll be angry about it. And there's nothing wrong, and and I'm in this category where, where, where I detox myself from a lot of that in the last couple of years, and I'm a much better person. Um... But when you think that you could scroll through TikTok videos and, and that's educating, it's one thing to be entertained by for a period of time, but that's how some people get their information, and it's, it, it, it's frightening sometimes. And yet, and, and yet they're the first people to yell about their local politics and state politics without having a clue about what they're arguing. But someone told them that you should feel this way about something, so therefore they feel that way. You know, we have all of this information available to us today, Daniels. You know, social media, all the websites, um, you know, yeah, the, the crack cocaine um, cable news channels that you always talk about. Yeah. All right. I think we're uh, – Ted, the great Ted Koppel did a, a feature recently that Paul Kennedy sent to me. All right. He did a, 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 a video feature on these these – uh, community papers, these newspapers up in South Carolina that are saving themselves, all right? Local local community leaders are saving these newspapers because they think that, you know, that these local papers are, you know, keeping people informed about what's going on in their own communities. And I miss the days when people would get up and read the newspaper and actually know what was going on in their own communities instead of going on Twitter and reading about Britney Spears and Victor Wimbanyama. 
Uh, yeah, but you're, you're you're yearning for a time that I think has passed us by that I'm not quite sure you can get back to. For example, I'll take your industry on the newspaper side. Okay. People understood that the columnist was expressing an opinion on something. And they, ex- uh, and they understood and expected that the rest of what they were reading was opinion-free. That it was information that you could choose to inform yourself, educate yourself on issues, whether it be in politics, local uh, news and events, uh, crime, sports, uh, uh, culture, entertainment. But that column view began to bleed into everything else in the coverage. Where now mm-hmm. some of our most respected publications, whichever you put in that category, and it's based probably on your political views, now that big long story is coming with tremendous influence in the writing to give you a slanted view because that's what our editorial board wants or that. And as you said, I've even, I've even noticed the Associated Press website is becoming more like that, Daniels. And probably because the algorithms that were presented back to management said these types of stories get these clicks versus those stories that get those clicks. And in the end, as much as the Associated Press would tell you that they're as down the middle as it can be, they still are a a, a for-profit business. And ultimately, their management will take a look at data and go, here's a direction that is better for us. And I think we're all guilty of that sometimes, but I think it's, it's... it has created a profit versus content battle that in the end it's like if I can't get the profit, I can't survive. And, you know, some of our most respected news outlets pivoted by making that decision. Why? Because they answer to a board, that answer to a stock price. Mm, no question. All right, right around the corner, we are going to talk some real sports. In fact, I'm hoping Mark Daniels is going to reveal where he voted UCF on the Big 12 preseason media poll. That's coming your way next on The Bridge. What are you guys doing here? What are you doing here? This is The Bridge with Mike Bianchi and Mark Daniels. Welcome back to The Bridge, brought to you by Advent Health. It's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. What was our Ask Mark question today? Boy, I'm so handsome. That's, that's one of them, Daniel. The other one, um, having to do with these big 12 votes, Mike. Okay. What was it? Just in terms of uh, uh, how does the voting go, and does he agree with the number eight seed? Yeah, but wait, uh, uh, no. what else did you have from? I heard, I heard something. No, this no, morning. the other one, the other one was this: UCF entering the Big Twelve this year. Which sport will do you think will do the best in the Big Twelve this year? Well, I think uh, well, there's a couple of uh, women's sports that I think UCF has a chance to compete. Softball, uh, you know, Cindy Ball Malone's built a really good program that the last two years lost in a super regional to Oklahoma, 
and then this past year lost to Florida State, who just lost to Oklahoma. Um, I think she's built a program that can step in. I'm not saying to beat Oklahoma this year, but I think they'll compete. And despite a, a, a decision by UCS volleyball coach to move on to the professional ranks, I think the volleyball team, which has won five straight conference championships in the American, is primed to step in and compete. Uh, I think UCF women's track and field team also, for the most part, dominated the American. So, um, you know, the UCF women's programs won more titles in the American than anybody else in the conference. So they've got a chance to step in and be competitive in a number of sports in the American. How's you, how is uh, Big 12 baseball? Really good. Arguably uh, the third best conference in the country behind the SEC and the ACC. And, you know, they might argue about challenging the ACC, but I think it's consistently been the third best league. The Pac-12 might argue that, but I think the Pac-12 has been a little bit top-heavy. So it, it, it's consistently been the number three conference in the country. Okay, I love this time of year, Daniels, because it's the time of year where we start to have conference media days. I think the Big 12 media days is coming up this week, SEC media days, ACC. I'll be in Dallas next week. Yeah, next, well, well, this coming week, though, yeah. right? Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, so uh, it, to me, this is sort of the official start of college football season when you have the media days and you have the media polls. And yesterday, the Big 12 uh, preseason media poll came out, and UCF was picked at number eight in that poll. Um, they were picked uh, above every other new member. They were ahead of BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati, but they were picked number eight, um, selected, I guess, Selected members of the media get to vote on this. I wasn't chosen to vote Don't on this. Someone's um, jealous. Yeah, I'm just saying. Matt Marshall got a vote. He voted UCF number seven uh-huh. in his only the uh, most media respected poll. and well versed so. uh, members of the media okay. were given a chance. Fine. To. Fine. All right, before we get to how you voted, okay, we're going to take a break, say say goodbye to our uh, listeners in Tallahassee. You can still listen to us. All you have to do is just search for 96.9 The Game in Orlando on the iHeartRadio app. It's free, by the way. Otherwise, we'll catch you bright and early, 6 a.m. Monday morning for open mic. Let's pause, though, right now, briefly, for station identification. WYGM Orlando, WJRR HD2 Cocoa Beach. Now, back to the bridge, powered by Advent Health, with Mike Bianchi and Mark Daniels. Okay, uh, I'm not that bitter at not being selected as a voter, um, but, but, Daniels, let me just say this. I think eight is just about right. I think the media got it right. I just told you, Merchelle voted them number seven. Where did the great Mark Daniels vote UCF? Uh, I don't know if I'll tell exactly where I voted them because I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to appear on some blog that someone is accusing something. I will say this as I sent you text this morning. They did not receive a first place vote, so I didn't vote them number one. Okay, But I voted them above where the media poll had them. Okay, and tell me why. Well, a couple of things, and this isn't a, a criticism. This is the norm when you have situations like this. There are 67 people that had votes, 
And I think you would agree, the overwhelming majority of those voters, uh, it, it, it's just a comfort zone of what you're familiar with. And I think, you know, a lot of people that have been covering Big 12 football in those Big 12 markets still don't know much about the new members. And even though you can sit and study and, and, and you know, try to figure out who you like, there's a natural view of, hey, they're coming from a a, a conference down below, so how good are they going to be when they make this jump? And I think if you look at it, the, the, the quote, returning voting members showed UCF respect compared to the other incoming members. And even in the uh, media poll, uh, UCF still finished ahead of three returning Big 12 members in Kansas, Iowa State, and West Virginia kind of shows you what they thought about uh, those programs. Uh, somebody gave Oklahoma State a first-place vote, which uh, they were picked seventh. If you take their first-place vote and the point value assigned to it out, UCF would have been seventh in this poll. Mm, okay. um, but somebody voted for Oklahoma State, which is a little bit odd. Um, and, and by the way, I, 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 I will tell you this. Um, I didn't pick Texas to win the league. Um, Who'd you pick? I pick Kansas State. I'm one of the 14 Kansas State votes. Um, okay. Now, okay. I, again, I have no problem with that. I hadn't voted. Uh, the American took away the media poll uh, several years ago, um, and uh, so this is the first time I voted in a preseason or or postseason honors in quite some time. And for me, and I told you, I I take my Heisman vote serious. I keep a a, a file throughout the entire year, and to me, it matters. And um, when I was given a poll, I I. I I took the time to go and review. And the same thing works the reverse way. I know more about Cincinnati and Houston and UCF than I do about the Big 12 schools. And me taking a weekend to do a really deep dive, that doesn't make me an expert to those that have covered Big 12 football for the last decade. So, you know, my poll may make some go, well, what about that? For example, I think Iowa State's going to have a bounce back year. I think that they might be the surprise team that, and, and this poll had Iowa State at 10. I had Iowa State higher, much higher. Um, but that's just me, kind of get a feel that I think Matt Campbell uh, pivoted and, and kind of rebuilt his roster there. I think Texas is very, very, very good. I think there's still a Texas overplay uh, going on uh, just because of the logo. Uh, Oklahoma did not have a great season last year, lost a, a couple of one-possession games that could have gone the other way that I'm not saying it would have satisfied Oklahoma fans, but uh, certainly um, – you know, eight and five or nine and four would have been a much different view. Um, so I, you know, I, one thing I think is even with Texas and Oklahoma, and in all due respect to Texas, they've not been a contending team in this league for a decade. Okay, I still think this league is incredibly balanced. Where teams that in this poll are in, in double-digit preseason positions, I still think they're going to win games in a league that has shown it's had more one-possession games than any other conference in the country in recent years. I'm curious, uh, even though TCU got their butts beat by Georgia in the national championship game, um, they were in the national championship game, and, and they're fifth in the poll. Are they losing? Uh, again, I haven't I haven't done my deep dive into all the Big 12 teams yet. Um, are, are, did they lose a whole bunch? I think to, to some lazy voters. And it happens in every one of these polls. You know that. Where, where, like a Heisman belt, the guy gets it the day that it's due, and he goes, oh, I'll, I'll just fill this out. One thing you fall back on is, oh, they lost their quarterback, so they can't be as good. And I think that's what, in fact, I think that's to some degree why UCF is higher than the other incoming members. 
Returning coach, returning quarterback. Oh, that's easy one. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt uh, for that. But I still think TCU is really good. Um, and but, but I mean, you lose a quarterback like that, so uh, you know. I, I think that's why people feel the way that they do. But it's a it it, it it's a deep league. It really is, and I'm still learning. And even though I took the time to not just look at who's coming back, I think the transfer portal plays a big part of that. Um, and I. It, just speaking of that, I mean, yesterday, and I based on reports, it's not me because I can't comment about specific players, but two more four-star <laughs> recruits have yeah. reportedly committed. And based on the recruiting service that you want to look at... 24-7. Uh, 24-7 rivals and on three. If you're going on average grade of player, they're either first or second in the Big 12. Wow. Wow. Like, I checked... Um... Now, again, that's with Oklahoma, Texas moving on. Because uh, they're not in the yeah. league next year, but for the twenty-four class, and if you go to on three uh, dot com, average grade of player, number one of the conference, and one hundred percent of their current commits are either three or four star players, and no one else We're, in the league has that. Now I, I realize you know number of commitments um, means nothing until they the, sign the line. Yeah. Okay, but but as far as number of commitments, uh, where is UCF ranked as in the overall recruiting rankings in on three? In not like not just the average. No. Oh, here Texas Tech has eighteen players committed. Yeah. UCF eleven. Okay. West Virginia eighteen, Kansas fifteen, Cincinnati eighteen, Baylor twelve, TCU ten, Oklahoma State thirteen, Iowa State fifteen, Kansas State seven, Houston seven, BYU eight. But again, different game plans for different programs. And Gus is not going to sign a class of twenty four people. He's going to balance transfers uh, with players. Now, I. People that follow recruiting will tell you that they're far from done and that a number of these recent commitments are playing a significant role in convincing other players uh, to come. And it's a long way between now and signing day. So anything can happen. All right, back to the Big 12 um, preseason poll. Yeah. I want you to put on your black and gold glasses yeah. for a moment here. And because we've been playing the clip of John Rice Plumley at the Mikey's last week when I presented the fact that there are many people who think UCF's not going to do much uh-huh. in their first year in the Big 12. And he sort of bowed up a little bit and said, watch us, pay attention. Um, we're going to you know, we're gonna turn some heads in the Big 12 this year. What, what has to happen for UCF to, make, to, to really finish high in the Big 12? I'm not even saying first, but if they finish in the, in the top three or four, what needs to happen? Beat Boise State. No, no, no. Uh, no. Wait, 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 wait. Hear okay, me out a second. All right. All right. I, I'm telling you, all the excitement of the Big 12, and there's plenty of it, and people should enjoy it, okay? The significance of that second game at Boise State, to me, is is really high because I, I'll just paint a scenario, okay? If UCF opens up and beats Kent State, and they should, um, you go to Boise State. They remembered what happened in that marathon game of a couple years yeah. ago. They finished really strong, an incredibly athletic 6-6 quarterback. Um, Dirk Cutter's return one-time head coach of the offensive coordinator there. They have circled this game for a couple years. It is a huge game for them on the blue turf at Boise State. If you win, okay, 
even though, Mike, it's not a, quote, power five, it still is an impressive road win at Boise who just doesn't lose much at home. Absolutely. You come home and play Villanova. You're 3-0 and going to your first Big 12 game at Kansas State. You've gained some momentum and feel really good about yourself. Um, and then you open up with at Kansas State and home against Baylor before a road trip uh, at Kansas. If you're 3-0, and you might look and say, hey, can I get two of these? And if you get two of them, you're 5-1. and one. Well, now you're on your way. If you lose at Boise, you lose a little bit of that preseason hype of the excitement of the Big 12. Not that people are not as excited, but, you know, if you're 2-1, and one, you go to Kansas State, defending conference champ, and then some fans go, well, if you lose that and, and you're 2-2, two and two, it, 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 even though it's a one game, it's just a different vibe. So I, I, I remind people that go, man, I can't wait for that Kansas State game. Go, look at the Boise State game first. It is a really, really important game for UCF. But the answer to your question, Mike, is keep your quarterback healthy. Okay? Uh, keep your team healthy. Don't lose guys like UCF lost in Gus's first year, not just Dylan Gabriel, but all the other injuries that derailed the season, which they still won nine. Um, and you have to win some of the close games. You, you know, history tells you in the Big 12, you're going to find yourself of nine conference games, maybe half of them, or one possession game going to the fourth quarter. And the difference, if you have four, win three. If you win one, you probably end up going four and five in the conference. If you win three, maybe you go six and three. Maybe you go seven and two. So, you know, a lot of that's luck. By the way, um, do we don't know what time the conference games are going to be yet, right? No. UCF's uh, home conference opener against Baylor is that sold out? Yes. So that's sold out. Should be. Um, every oh. game is sold out this week. Oh, every every conference game is sold out, or every game like is Kent sold out? UCF has already announced that uh, the game against Baylor and West Virginia sold out, and I'm not breaking news, but at some point you'll learn about the others. Every road. Uh, uh, ticket block has been sold uh, by Big wow. 12 schools. And UCF sold out in season tickets this year, so there's very few single-game tickets left. So, uh, you know, it's close to being sold out every game right now as you can get. How, how many road tickets, roadblock tickets, are there 3, for the Big 12? So UCF sold all of their road tickets to every they Big 12 stop? Those are visiting fans that bought them. Meaning oh, West Virginia oh, oh, okay. fans bought 3,000 tickets to come to oh, the game. Okay, so I see what you're saying. So the opposing fans have bought their block of tickets. What about UCF buying their blocks of tickets when they go on the road? I don't know the status of that. I know the Oklahoma block, from what I understand, is basically sold out. I, I can't speak for the other places. Um, just in talking to people, I'm aware of fans that are excited to go to some destination, but I don't know. And, and again, to give you a comparison... The, the only Big twelve fans are like, yeah, hell yeah, we're going to Orlando. Right, we've course. been going, we've been going to Stillwater for for years now. Well, it, not to take a left turn of the conversation, <laughs> it's part of why UCF stood in front of the tourist tax group and goes, look, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, the American, in the American, the only group that came close to selling out a block was South Florida. Trust me, they played games against Temple. 
they were lucky to have 200 tickets sold by visiting a team. Now, UCF at some point got those tickets back and then were able to sell them to their own fans, but they've never sold out a visiting block in July and June like they did. Why? Because you... you've got large fan bases that want to come here. <laughs> Daniels, are you saying Orlando is more of a destination site than Manhattan, Kansas? Come on now. Mike, I've been to the Little Apple multiple times, and I would say it's a tourist <laughs> destination. I'm not talking about about any Big 12 program and their city. But no, it's like you and I talked about um, what, what, what Big 12 destination is the one that makes a fan base say, I want to stay an extra day? None. Orlando. Right? Except for Orlando. Right. Except for Orlando. So, I, you know. I mean, I would like, personally, I would like to go to Kansas just to, you know, because that's, you know, a historic university with, you know, and, you know, look, but, but mainly I'd like to just go look at their basketball stuff. Right. And look, I look forward to going to every one of these places that UCF's going to play at because they're unique and new and have great crowds. I'm just saying about visiting fans. You're now playing in a league, just like SEC fans, no Big Ten fans, where fan bases are going to come. Legitimate groups of fans are going to come and plan. And in this and in this market, spend four days. Leave on a Thursday to come and go to your theme parks. Yeah, and party. Drive yeah, to go beaches. to the theme parks, party. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, no question. Yeah. All right. We come back. More of The Bridge brought to Mavin Health coming up. You're a big yes guy, Mike. I saw yes in concert Did with my you? buddy Jeffrey. Yeah, uh, they were at the was it a Hard Rock in Orlando? Uh huh. Or maybe it was. I can't remember where we saw them. It was a long time ago. But yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge yes fan, but they were good in concert. Yeah. By the way, I want to bring up something you you, you responded to a, a a text earlier today. Gave a a good answer to the question, but I want to add something to your answer. Somebody said, why is it that uh, the Gators can do $400-plus million in renovations, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, uh, that Shad Khan isn't paying for it? And you said, well, the University of Florida is not moving anytime soon, and Shad Khan could, you know, move his team. Uh, and, and you're correct. Uh, I would point out, actually, the same thing probably is going to happen in Jacksonville. The Gators are going to ask for donations, in Jacksonville, they'll just take your tax dollars. It's a big, you know. <laughs> I mean, the the right. difference is they're not asking season ticket holders to pay for that. Or in Jacksonville, whether you like the Jaguars or not, you'll probably still pay for the stadium upgrades. Right. Where in Gainesville, if you want to donate, you can donate. You're not forced to donate. In Jacksonville, whether you want to or not, they're going to take your tax dollars anyway. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. Exactly. But, um, uh, speaking of the Gator Stadium, I, I I was dining with somebody a couple of days ago that mm. is a somewhat influential person, okay, um, and understands the the game of politics in our state. Mm-hmm. And um, that person, I'm not giving away secrets here to some degree, was having conversation with a large Gator donor, okay, and they were talking about you know, the stadium renovation, and I think you know this, this isn't giving any secret sauce away. Every school in this state, and, and you point out today, gets tax dollars. Yeah. Okay? Um, and one of the arguments of schools like UCF, South Florida, FEU, FIU, Florida Gulf Coast is, is they've grown in enrollments over the years, 
And Florida still gets the money. Florida still gets the majority of the money. Yeah. And and it's because of the power play in Tallahassee, mm-hmm. like it or not. And as they were talking, uh, the person said, look, they're not raising $400 million. They don't need to. They'll find you know state dollars, and they'll maneuver things. And some of the things that UCF got in trouble with a few years ago now is legal uh, on how you take money and move money to this department for that project and all sorts of things. Um now happens. In fact, that's part of what Yusuf's argument back was. Wait, you, you're coming after us, but Florida has been doing this uh, uh, for years. And it was, well, but we got you. Um, and the point was that... Sort of like when the NCAA right. investigated UCF back in the day. When Yeah. when, when Right. Yeah, yeah, we can hammer a little UCF back in the day. We're not going to hammer the big boys. Right. But, but whatever the price tag ends up being, or whatever renovations at Florida... It's not going to be because a group of 10 Bull Gators or a group of 1,000 Gator fans paid for it. It's just not. It's going to be a combination of dollars ranging from state money that, and Mike, you know the game. Well, there's a classroom that we have in the building, so therefore it's eligible for state dollars. Remember that game that was played at some yeah, institution? No, that's, well, yeah, Florida State played that game when they, when they renovated right. their state. That still exists. So, And by the way, I'm not saying Florida is or will do something wrong. It's just... Whatever the price tag is, it, it'll come from a variety of places, including um, donations, heavy booster donations, state money that they'll figure out how to use, future media dollars, increased ticket sales. So the point was, whatever the price tag is being reported, it doesn't matter because Florida is going to do this in pieces and how they pay for it. I, I'm not saying it's easy. But it's not like they're going, man. Are we going to go in debt for three hundred million dollars? No, they're going to. You pick- will agree. You will. You do agree with me, though, that the four hundred million dollar price tag is probably bare bones, and it'll end up being more than that. But and I'm not picking on the AP's report. I don't even know where that number comes from, because Scott Strickland, I've seen quoted. I think you may have quoted him once, or and others. He's never really put a price tag. He's just talked about the things that they want to do, and. Then that $400 million came out there. Yes, I agree with you. The figure will be significantly higher. But in all due respect, I also think this is going to happen over a four- to five-year period. And it may be we're going to do $150 million on this project. We'll do 80 on this project. And the cost of business is going to go up in uh, the year. So, yeah. What I, and by the time it's done, somebody will put a final price tag on it. But my guess is if Scott Strickland's still there or wherever the AD will say, yeah, but here's the return on what we just did. So it's going to be well worth it. Just like whatever UCF wants to spend on upgrading its facility, they'll be able to say, yeah, but it's going to be well worth it because of these new boxes and this new area, and here's how we will make that money back. That's that's business. That that that. I, I do agree with you on this, and I'm not saying the Gators are going to do this, right? right. but maybe they could. When UCF went before the Tourist Development Tax Advisory Panel and asked for money, and it looks like they're going to get some of that money, I I do think some other schools in the state of Florida probably took notice of that. And, and again, I don't know that Gainesville has a huge tourist development tax, but what's to stop the University of Florida from going to Gainesville and saying, you guys need to contribute some money to this because we have a huge economic impact in this city i guess nothing i i i can't speak for the tax situation of alachua county i mean i lived there for 
three and a half years as a student, but I, I, I'm just going to guess there's you, not you a... You paid no taxes. I mean, I barely got paid for the work I did. And, you know, um, I, I think it's a case-by-case deal, and some schools may make sense. Florida, as you know, has a lot of friendly financial benefits in Alachua County in the city of Gainesville. I, I'm sure that there's a number of unique tax-free zones or, or taxing districts for them, but I can't imagine that there's a tourist tax number that makes it worthwhile to go to Alachua County. Now, they may ask for an increase in a hotel tax for people to come and stay, but you can only cover Alachua right. County, but but you know the area better than me. There are just so many hotels in Alachua County. Once you get to Marion, where Ocala is, it's going to be tough to ask them to chip in. I'm just throwing out ideas. But to get back to your basic question, yes, I know that there are a number of schools that are watching and have already contacted UCF regarding, tell me again what you did, that are going to try to figure out how we go about doing it. And I, I remember the danger of Twitter. I remember reading on Twitter when you know the announcement was that UCF was speaking before this group and you know, when South Florida fans were like, yeah, you know, you've got to go begging for money from your county. And I'm like, what? Like, they were smart enough to go to a county that is so flush with cash that they may get free money while you're going to go in debt for God knows how many years that no one knows how you're going to pay for that stadium. Which situation do you want to be in? Like, okay, fine. Tell me when you're done raising the $340 million that you know is going to cost $500 million, and tell me what your debt payment on that is compared to what UCF may be able to, I don't know about self-finance the whole thing, but cut its bill in half? Which spot do you want to be in? Yeah. 2018. 2018 tourist development tax. This is a quick Google search. 2018 tourist development tax or bed tax paid by tourists in Alachua County was about $5.3 million. And what do do we get, like $360 million per year? In Orange County, the projection is I think by twenty five is over four hundred million. Yeah, so and remember, so five. A, a great place to visit Hillsborough County in the Tampa area. Uh, we do in a month what they do in a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even Pinellas County with the beaches over there yeah. in St. Pete, they don't. Yeah, you know, they do a little more than Hillsborough County, but I don't think much more. And again, I'm not so. knocking them. Like the University of Miami, Hard Rock Stadium's a great stadium. You don't think they would love to have an on campus stadium? challenged by a lot of things land and quote big donor john ruiz keeps telling people he's moving along in his project and everything no one's seen a dollar of it and you know any attention there i i'm sure they would love to go to the wonderfully uh run uh miami dade money down there any more crooked is there any more crooked government than the miami dade politicians No, none whatsoever. (laughs) All right, peace, love, boil peanuts. Have a great show and a great weekend. Hi, Mikey. Thank you much. It's a Friday edition of the Beat of Sports, and it kicks off next. If you missed any of The Bridge, get the podcast at 969thegame.com slash bridge or search The Bridge wherever you download podcasts.